Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. The show must go on according to the Premier League. Despite COVID chaos amongst the clubs, the top flight is set to continue as you were despite a raft of recent postponements. Is it the right call to keep calm and carry on or should the festive fixture schedule have been called off? We'll discuss the outcome of yesterday's Premier League meeting on today's podcast as well as the least shocking news of the week. Two footballers have had a night out. Yes, you wouldn't believe it, but Manchester City's Phil Foden and Jack Grealish are out on the town recently. Pep Guardiola not impressed after the pair returned to training slightly worse for wear. Pep punishing the players by omitting them from the City matchday squad against Newcastle. More on that later. Plus, tonight, Arsenal go toe-to-toe with League One opposition in the form of former Premier League side Sunderland. Will Arteta give Aubameyang the nod for the Gunners in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals this evening after his recent bust-up with the boss? Welcome along to the show. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall and alongside me this morning, Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley? Yeah, not bad, mate. Good. Just getting trying to get set for Christmas. Realised yesterday that I'd not done enough Christmas shopping and there was five days to go and shipping was going to be an issue so I'm scrambling around now looking for everything to try and buy people uh, people some gifts. I think I'm right in saying your wife doesn't listen to this podcast very often so what are you missing? What's no missing we, we don't we don't talk about Shul Ramiobi enough for her so you know. <laughs> um, what, what did you say sorry? What's missing from the shopping list? What's uh, What's on the list that you've not got yet? Um, I've I've sorted her. It's my mum and dad, to be honest. Um, uh, so I've I've done done an Amazon special. I've, I've I've got Amazon Prime, so I can get everything like next day. So I've got a bunch of stuff coming tomorrow. Um, but if it's if any of it's rubbish, I'm uh, I'm up up the creek without a paddle, so to speak. <laughs> Signed Shola Amiobi jersey on the way to the Anderson household this Christmas. And <laughs> alongside Marley, Joel Tudor. What about you, Joel? I heard you've been in and about town lately. Yeah, town city centre in Manchester was like a zoo yesterday. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah, there's all sorts of animals there, just to let you know. So 
yeah, I had to take my little sister there and it cost me an absolute fortune. So, um, word of advice, don't take siblings to town when it's got the markets on. Yeah, Christmas markets are always <laughs> one to, to hit you in the pocket, I think. And the Premier League will be hit in the pocket by these cancellations that continue to happen due to coronavirus. This new variant is causing havoc, allegedly, according to the widespread media. And Premier League clubs have returned more positive cases in the latest round of testing. This is the most positive cases that we've ever had since mandatory testing was introduced at the start of the pandemic. 90 new positive coronavirus cases have been discovered amongst Premier League players and staff. And despite that, there was a meeting yesterday, which we spoke about on Football Social Daily, between all 20 Premier League clubs and relevant shareholders about what to do. Do we carry on with the season? Do we have a little short fire break and maybe postpone the next two matches just to allow things to settle down a bit? Well, what happened was the Premier League has decided to continue. They've decided to carry on, soldier on through, despite the amount of postponements and the coronavirus ravaged squads. That is what will happen over this festive period. We will continue to play Premier League football where we can. So Marley, after yesterday where we discussed whether we thought the season would continue in its normal form or not, we find out that it will continue. What's your take? Do you think that's the right decision? Um, I'm surprised, put it that way. I thought when they had a meeting, I thought if this is only going to go one way, we're going to have some sort of um, circuit breaker, if you want to call it that, or at least something where it's behind closed doors. Um, or there's some sort of difference to like massive difference to how how we used to having the game played in the last sort of eight months or whatever it's been, um, but yeah, it's it's gone the other way, and I'm, I was I was shocked when it came out and they said, oh, we're just going to carry on as normal. If you've got thirteen players fit, then you're playing, and I thought that's quite a quite a a stance to take, to be honest. Um, I thought they would bow to the pressure of, of the big clubs mourning that they didn't have enough players and you know as we mentioned yesterday all the big clubs mourning that they can't get the best teams out when they have the best squads and little smaller clubs smaller squads like Burnley and, and Brighton for example are, are much more affected by this so I thought it would go that way but it's gone the other way um, and I don't know if I agree with it or not to be honest because every club's Every club's different. Every club's had cases, and players are coming back. And some play, some clubs are are just getting hit with you know ten positive tests and then knackered sort of thing. So I don't really know where every club is individually. So I can't really make a a judgment of whether I think it's right or not. But you know now it's now it's said that that um, now it's now the decision's been made. You know you've got to play within them rules as if you're a club now, and you've got to maybe go to another extreme to to keep the uh um keep your your players safe so you get uh, you get through this christmas period where there's loads of games um with as many players as possible possible because 13 uh with when two of them are goalkeepers is uh is huge to be honest is is a tiny little number and it's a huge task to have them uh, to have them fit so it's 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 another thing for teams to think about now yeah, that's right. What Marley says, if you have 13 fit players and a goalkeeper available, you should play the game. And the games are being postponed currently on a case-by-case basis looked at by the Premier League board. So it's likely over this Christmas period we'll see very similar patterns to what we've seen in the last couple of game weeks, which is matches called off here and there, but unlikely to be 
a full schedule of games across Boxing Day and into the new year. It's an interesting one when it comes to what you mentioned about playing games behind closed doors, Marley, because it feels like the managers in particular are more focused on the player welfare at the moment, Joel, rather than that of supporters. And playing the games behind closed doors would certainly go a long way to stop the spread of the virus amongst the general public. But it seems to be the spread of the virus within squads, which is causing the biggest issue, because, you know, if one player tests positive, you know, the likelihood is that a number of other players will as well. Yeah, I think that is very telling that no clubs actually voted to stop playing in any of the process with the Premier League, which kind of tells you that they have, well, they've been told that there's no real advantage to actually stopping playing. Each club are actually happy to continue if it's safe to continue. Yeah, um, I was going to say the fact that there's no vote is that just the Premier League saying you've got to continue and you have no option of a vote because yeah. there wasn't even a vote that took place apparently. Yeah, well, it sounds what from what I've read is that they've been in discussion with all Premier League clubs, and none of them opposed to actually. Sorry, none of them um, agreed to want to stop playing completely. It was more about either postponing, which I think Liverpool wanted to do, um, or just having a total circuit breaker, or actually just continue playing if you have the right players to do so. But I feel like with this whole situation, it's becoming more and more about the fact that other clubs are going to have more of a unfair disadvantage over other clubs um, in terms of how big your squad is. Like Marley said, I mean, let's say Rafinha was, was to go out with COVID for Leeds, who's been probably their biggest player. They will have probably the worst advantage over anyone in, in comparison to, for example, City, who look like they have a fully fit squad throughout this whole period. Um, and I think it's quite telling that the fact that, you know, the two main managers who've been kind of the vocal points in this whole process has been Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp. And to be fair, fair play to Jurgen Klopp because he's been a, quite a voice of reason in terms of vaccinations. Um, he seems to have his head screwed on in that department where it, obviously it's clear that whether you're vaccinated or not, you can still contract the virus. So I feel as though, like I said before, I feel like it's veering more towards the fact that these managers don't want other teams as well to be gaining an advantage over their club. When, you know, for example, Liverpool are without Van Dijk, Fabinho, uh, I think Joel Matip as well, in comparison to Manchester City, who have still got a pretty fully strength squad. And I'm, I'm sure they're both looking at each team in the league thinking, you know, this is a pivotal part of the season. It's nearly... 20% of the games that are being played and I don't want my team falling behind due to yeah. the fact that a virus is literally taking out majority of my main players. I know what you're saying Joel but is that is that not just an element of luck involved in that as well? Like it's quite lucky that City don't have Covid cases at the moment and it's quite unlucky that clubs like Manchester United and Leicester and Tottenham have had loads of Covid cases so is it just an element of it's kind of the luck of the draw because this is an invisible issue with the virus. Nobody can see when the virus is, is coming towards you, if that makes sense. So do you think it's just there's an element of fortune with this? There is an element of fortune, but then obviously if one player gets it, like you said, then the whole team is affected by it. Um, and that's why I feel, and I agree with what Marley's saying, that I feel as though there should have been a bit of a circuit breaker just to be able to balance the playing field a little bit just in terms of everyone gets to start afresh. 
keep monitoring the cases but you know i think with this situation we're gonna have to deal with it for many months ahead and is that is this going to be the case that we have to have a circuit breaker every time there's an outbreak because it's really not sustainable for the league at all if if that's the case considering the amount of uh, fixtures that are going to be need to need to be played and i'm sure that they're not favoring players playing all the way into the summer um like last time when obviously it broke out so you know i think obviously with chelsea they've had to bring up 12 under 21 players just to ensure that they have backups i mean if you ask any chelsea fan what what that's going to do for their title hopes is is detrimental isn't it really i mean this this period could literally see them falling from contenders to top four challenges and i agree it is it is a case of luck but then it's also a case of the fact that i feel as though it's preventable as well in terms of just balancing out the playing field but i feel like and I'm pretty strong with this, that it's veering way more towards just competitive advantage over the player's health because I think only 77% have received two doses. But even if that was 100%, there would still be outbreaks in the team regardless. And every other profession in the world is still working as normal, um, as providing that they're healthy and that um, tested not positive. So should it be the case that footballers are any different if they are fit to play? Very true. A lot of the things you say, particularly when it comes to the postponements and it not being sustainable, like you can't keep postponing games because there's simply no room to play them, as we discussed on yesterday's podcast. And I think Jim mentioned that the Premier League are keen to have a hard stop at the end of this season, because like I've said on the podcast in recent weeks, if the game does continue into the summer months, then we're going to struggle to keep the players fit physically rather than just keeping them clear of coronavirus so it really is a can of worms at the moment Marley Um, but there are some actions being taken to ease the fixture congestion the FA Cup third round is in January that's when the championship and Premier League clubs enter the competition and replays will be scrapped for the next two rounds rounds three and four to ease that fixture congestion Meanwhile, the Carabao Cup are discussing whether to take the semi-finals of the competition, which will be played in the new year, down to one leg rather than two. These are only small actions. Do you think that they'll help, though? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, um, I think with. I mean, you look at look at Spurs's uh, run of fixtures now. They're already are they three behind everyone else in the league. Um, so you know, you fast forward to January, and we get through this next two three weeks you know that that could could be worse and that could be the same for for many teams um if they get an outbreak you're looking at two games postponed maybe like if you get a big outbreak and you've only got 10 players or eight players or whatever um you yeah i mean you don't want this you know you don't want to go and play two games in the fa cup if you can help it so i think that's a, a decent uh a decent move by the FA um, or whoever's whoever's made this this rule, um, and I know it. I know it like takes a little bit away from the smaller clubs who need the money spinning replays and stuff. But I think most of the time now, for example, if like a Premier League team gets a League One team, you often see it where Premier League team gives half of their gate receipts to to the smaller teams. Um, anyway, you sort of see that, don't you? And I think that stuff like that can help. So monetarily, you know, I think this can this can still happen, still go on. You still get the prize money from the competition and stuff as well. So it's not as if uh, smaller teams are going to be completely upended by this move to not have replays when it, the matter of the fact is that most of them don't even get replays anyway. Yeah. It's more for the um, fans as well, isn't it? So an example would be 
League Two side Swindon Town have drawn Man City in the third round of the FA Cup. And obviously, it's a huge game for them. They'll be playing that at home. But if they get a draw, they would have been able to go to the Etihad and it would have been a day out and it would have been on TV and all of the rest of it. So there are a few elements there, but it's almost as if you're going to have to sacrifice something, whether it's that element of the extra revenue and the day out for the fans or a free day in the calendar and one less game to possibly play. But I guess the argument is, Marley, that replays like you mentioned aren't guaranteed and they're quite rare anyway to happen. So in terms of easing the congestion, it's one less game, but it's one less game that you might not have had to play anyway. So actually it doesn't free up that much space in the calendar in the first place. Exactly. It's just sort of how you were, isn't it? You, you, you're always going to have one game in the calendar pending. You, and then yeah. you, you might have lightly penciled in another one if we get a draw. Like Swindon <laughs> might go, if we get a draw at Man City. And in reality, you're, you're going to get beat 7-0 and all your players are going to be, you know, blowing out their ass after 15 minutes because <laughs> chasing the ball around. So, yeah, it doesn't really do much. But I think people have just got to realise the situation's quite rare and quite unique and it won't be, oh, well, fingers crossed, it won't be like this forever. Um, and eventually when we get through the other side, then everything returns to normal. But there's still an asterisk over this season um, with this variant and, and uh, the restrictions that may or may not come in. Just finally on this one then, Marley's already mentioned it. You touched upon it as well, Joel, about the number of players involved in a squad to be able to facilitate the game going ahead. So the ruling is if you have 13 fit players and a goalkeeper, you should make as many attempts as possible to play the game. And that involves a number of youth players who have first team experience coming up and being involved in the squad. Now, your side, Manchester United, in their recent games that were called off, Coronavirus really took hold at Old Trafford and only seven players with first team experience were eligible to feature and therefore the game was postponed and rightly so. United had clear grounds to do that. In terms of how the games will pan out and how competitive they'll be, do you think that that tarnishes the integrity of the league? It's something we discussed yesterday, but now the the rule is clear that even if you have youth team players that have first team experience they need to be involved as well to make up the numbers. Yeah, it's it's a case of just like you said, it's not as if the virus is targeting one club and every other club is not affected by it. It's it's just a case of whatever club gets it, they're obviously going to face disadvantages if the Premier League doesn't allow them to uh, postpone their games. I mean, when you look at Leeds, for example, I think they've got a hell of a lot of injury concerns at the moment, but they weren't allowed to cancel their game purely because those players don't have COVID, they're just injured. Um, so I feel as though it does create a bit of a unbalanced playing field, but it's not as if the co- it's not as if COVID is discriminating one team and one team is having an unfair disadvantage. I feel like the only time they do have a disadvantage is if the Premier League doesn't actually side with them and allow them to postpone their game until you know further notice to actually allow them to play a decent team but I think there's already a disadvantage regardless anyway and that's the fact that some teams just have better squads than others Um, it just comes down to the fact that some are more invested in than others um, and it it shows even more when you have you know for example if Liverpool lose Van Dijk they have Konate to come in or they have John Matip to come in Whereas, you know, if um, Aston Villa lose one of their Newcastle main Newcastle defend- lose one of their centre-halves, yeah. they've got Marley Anderson coming in. <laughs> I mean, that's not, it's, hey, not, it's not a bad we, sign in that. If we lose Kieran Clark, we'll actually get better as a squad. <laughs> <laughs> Ten players instead. 
So yeah, there's there's always going to be the lower teams who have way bigger of a disadvantage if they lose their star men. Um, but it's luck of the draw at the moment. And the only thing that the Premier League could do to level the playing field is to just put a circuit breaker in. But then, I mean, if they come back from that circuit breaker and there's more cases, then what do you do then? So I think it's a, I think they've done the right choice like looking at it objectively which is to keep playing if you have the players available if you don't then you know what what can you what more can you do really and it's, it's a strange one this because I always look at the foreign leagues and they always have one month off at this time of year yet they still have a similar ish amount of games to play so I always wonder why there's such a big fixation on having so many games played at such a short period when the foreign leagues seem to do it pretty well and they seem to finish the league well in advance in May um, so I don't really understand. I, I'm guessing it's in terms of fixed, um, in terms of com- TV commercial pressure and all those kind of is money is money basically. Um, and I don't think they want to lose out on that kind of thing. I said it before on the show. I'll say it again. More Tuesday nighters early on in the season. That's the answer for me. I know that the Champions League starts pretty quickly, but there's no reason you can't have Burnley against Brighton, two Premier League teams that won't be in Europe on the same night as a Champions League game. Um, it attracts a different audience, but I mean, you there are the two Burnley Ultras coming for you with that prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Burnley have played in Europe more recently than Brighton. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not the most out of, out of kilter suggestion. I think one thing we can all agree on, though, is that the Premier League need to stop calling off games 90 minutes before kickoff, two hours before kickoff, because that's it's frustrating madness. for everyone. Yeah, madness for the fans, for people uh, who are just casual supporters, it's not a good look. So if the Premier League can sort that out, I think that you know this decision to continue will be much easier to swallow, so to speak. Now, we're going to talk Manchester City next on Football Social Daily, where two players have really annoyed Pep Guardiola. We'll talk about it next after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast will be with you right throughout the festive period. Loads of games over Christmas. You can keep bang up to date by hitting subscribe on this podcast and you'll be notified every single day when the latest episode is released. Now we're going to talk about two players who have seriously annoyed Pep Guardiola, so much so that they were left out of the recent victory over Newcastle United in the Premier League. In the shock of the century, two young City players have had a night out and they've turned up to training in less than 100% condition, let's just say. If I was to ask you boys who you think the two Manchester City players were, before you knew the answer to the question, who would you have guessed, Marley? Um... Probably Foden and Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer is correct. It is Foden and Grealish. Well done, Marley. I know you already knew the answer to the question, but well, I, I, you'd, you'd probably... still guess them, wouldn't you? Though that's it. I don't think it's a, a crazy thing. Can't believe you can't believe he introed that played off as if he didn't know the answer to it. Gave it a little pause before. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, little pregnant pause. That's Marley, the professional, ever the professional. And uh, whilst Marley's being the professional on the podcast, just how unprofessional is it from a professional footballer's point of view? Marley do you think um 
Yes, it's unprofessional, but as you sort of mentioned, it this these things happen. I mean, they didn't go out and hmm. like they're saying like they're less than a hundred percent condition. They probably had a slight hangover, and one of them still smelled of tequila or something like that. Like it wasn't wasn't a huge huge thing. Blue WKD or something like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> well yeah, maybe they had a WKD stain on the on the on the <laughs> like or a tramp stamp. You know, one of them hand stamps you get from going into clubs. He probably still had one of them on his hand or something, little folding. So. Um, look, players do this all the time. Um, it's not a massive deal. Um, cause it's Man City, I feel like people, people are sort of almost out to get them at points with disciplinary things. Um, and they want to say, oh, you know, the, they'll never learn all these things and bring undue sort of pressure on Man City to try and derail them a bit because they're looking like an absolute juggernaut at the minute. So you, you get the media who, who want a bit more of a, a title race and sometimes they blow these things up but you know as a matter of fact if you lose Foden and Grealish you bring in Mares and Sterling and you still rip half the teams in the league and you're <laughs> so it's, it's not really not really an issue um in terms of playing I don't think it's an issue in terms of disciplinary um players do things that are against the rules all the time take the punishment they're back in the squad a couple of weeks later and they play better than they ever have done so you seen it at the minute at Arsenal with Aubameyang is is getting disciplined at the minute and not not playing. He he might play again. He might not. Might be a different situation to be fair because it's it's not his first misdemeanor. Um, but Foden and Grealish will be will be back and we'll forget about this in a few weeks' time. I don't mean to bring this back to coronavirus because I'm pretty depressed talking about it already. But Pep Guardiola, you mentioned in the last section of the show, Joel has almost a fully fit squad to choose from. Manchester City have been very lucky when it comes to COVID cases. City are top of the league. Liverpool are struggling with injuries and coronavirus, as are Chelsea. And now City are in pole position to reclaim their Premier League crown, or defend it, I should say. Now, two young lads going out isn't exactly the news story of the century, but with coronavirus knocking around, is that an extra reason why Pep Guardiola might be annoyed? Because if these two gents have gone out and had a good time which is completely their entitlement to do so they're well within their rights to do that albeit it's slightly unprofessional can you see why Guardiola might be extra frustrated than maybe he would have been two years ago let's say yeah I I totally understand where he's coming from um I think it's clear with this he's trying to make an example of them both um and I think rightly so as well I mean with Grealish and Foden well, first of all, let's just get it straight as well that the media do like to frame people and blow scenarios out of proportion. I mean, I think Harry Maguire went out for a restaurant meal um, and everyone, including the Daily Mail and these kind of publications, were making out as if he went clubbing during COVID times. And I understand that they get well, framed. I think it was more in the wake with Maguire of the two defeats to City and to Liverpool, which but were even, convincing yeah, defeats even, against rivals. And I think people were suggesting why is he out having a meal with his family when they've just been whooped why doesn't he stay at home and keep his head down and it's all small things that you only get with footballers well this is the um, thing is people though, because, in, in the public eye but this is the thing because he didn't go out clubbing though i think it's for like his dad's party and regardless of if it's covid or if it's after a defeat he's, he's a human and he's allowed to do that however with this situation with Grealish and Foden let's not forget this isn't their first rodeo when it comes to um doing things during covid i think Grealish was um widely publicized um going to like a party during the height of the pandemic last year yeah and but it was banned then joel it's not banned going out now 
He's, he's well within his rights well, you know, to go and have a night out. We, and I think that the issue for Guardiola is to turn up to training hungover or in less than 100% condition. And with coronavirus knocking around, it wasn't exactly the smartest idea. It's not like they're breaking the rules, which everyone else in the general public has to adhere by. Because back at the height of the pandemic, it was like footballers, footballers are role models. They need to be setting an example, following the rules. The rules say that they can go out. And they did go out. Yeah. So is it just a case of unprofessionalism at the worst possible time? Well, if Guardiola is putting them out of the squad, then clearly he has a big reason to do that. And it wouldn't just be the fact that they've just mm. gone out. I mean, I'm sure a lot of players in the squad went out for a meal and that kind of thing. And he hasn't banned all of them. It's clear to me, and it should be probably clear to everyone and everyone in his squad that they're not in the, they haven't done the right thing, which for a manager of Guardiola's experience, he, he hasn't done this on a whim just you know to single them out and I'm sure that like you said Manchester City are, are doing the league at a canter at the moment they're the most informed team in the league and he won't want these two jeopardizing his chances of making a huge gap especially if they can gain an advantage due to Covid um, with you know, the likes of Liverpool the likes of Chelsea having depleted squads I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of where they went, what they did, who they mixed with, but if it's a case of, you know, a virus situation where he doesn't potentially want, you know, it spreading in the squad, if they've been mixing with people, then so be it, because Guardiola doesn't want to lose this competitive advantage he's got, which is like you said, his team have been pretty unaffected by it, and he wants to make an example of these two, just to make sure that in future, because he set such high standards in that squad, and I don't. He's ne and as going from his history, he's never ever been scared of singling out players or kind of exonerating them for a short period of time, as we saw with Ibrahimovic at Barcelona, um, Yaya Torre at Barcelona. He's not afraid to do that, regardless of the situation. Um, and you know, I think just considering how much of high standards he's got and how much of a healthy lead they've got in the league at the moment, he really doesn't want to jeopardize that. And I think for Grealish and Foden, it's just. Lacking a little bit of common sense. I mean, you've got such a highly congested fixtures, fixture list coming up. You need to keep yourself in top condition. And I understand they're young. Well, you know what? Grealish is 26. He knows better than that. Uh, Foden, you know, he's, he's 21. He still should be aware of what's going on. They're both professional athletes. You need to look after yourself, especially during this period. So, um, yeah, I think Guardiola is well within his rights, in my opinion. Well, Guardiola says when off-pitch behaviour isn't proper... They aren't going to play. And I think the word precedent is the one that crops up for me, Marley. It's something Joel highlighted there as well. It's almost as if, listen, lads, you can go out, but don't take the mickey. And it feels like maybe from Guardiola's perspective that they have taken a little bit too much than they should have done in terms of the leeway that they'll probably be afforded when it comes to going out. Because they are just young lads at the end of the day. And I do feel a little bit for Phil Foden, who's... What, is he only 21? And he's been in the limelight for the last four or five years. He's probably not really had a chance to experience life as a young man. And I guess that's kind of the privileges of, of being a footballer and getting paid a lot of money to do that job. I, I guess it's a small sacrifice to, to pay for the money you receive. But it's a difficult one, I think, especially with someone as young and with as much potential as Phil Foden in particular. Yeah, I, th I think with Foden as well, um, he's not had a normal life. He's not had a normal career. He's not had a normal life. He's, I think he's got two kids and he's 21. He's got two kids and he's been in the Man City team for, for two years properly and, you know, ranked as one of the best young players in the world for, for five years now. 
um, in terms of like potential. So when he does things like this, you know, I've got friends that are that are parents and stuff like that, and they they can't wait to get out and leave the kid for a little bit and uh, have a few drinks. And I was just thinking with Foden being twenty one, like I remember what I was like at twenty one. I was an idiot at twenty one. Mm. Like I'd go yeah, out and too. drink drink until I fell over, and you know, hopefully make it home that night. It was just like it's it's easy to to forget and it's easy to judge this. You know, I oh, was a footballer; he should be professional and all that. He's a twenty one year old kid. You know, he's still he's still a baby, basically in in sort of in life terms. You know what I mean? Like he's he's still figuring this stuff out, and I don't want to be like, oh, he's he's got one of these personalities where he'll just self destruct and he'll he'll go out and drink and you know party when he's not meant to and stuff. He's easily led. You are when you're twenty one. That's just that's just what happens. Like you you give in to peer pressure. If somebody says, do you want a pint? And you can physically go for a pint because you're not playing the next day. Or whatever, you've not got anything on. You've not got the kids to look after, or what have you. You 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 do it. Um, I think Foden's a bit like that because, as I say, he's a twenty-one-year-old kid. Like you can't, you know, bring the house down on him and say, you know, oh, you know, he's he's got to be this strict professional athlete. And he, every time he's not a training, he should be at home. And every time he's not playing, he should be training. And or, you know, all the you can't be a robot. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, and I think that's just it's understandable. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. It's unprofessional. They shouldn't have really gone out, especially at this time. But this won't be this isn't the first time and won't be the last time that players will go out when they shouldn't do. It's 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 almost much ado about nothing because they're too full uh, they're too high profile football players for the best team in the country at the moment. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that kind of City will deal with it accordingly. They have done by leaving them out of the Newcastle game. It didn't really make much of a difference, unfortunately, for your team. But it's a case of in three or four days' time, people would have forgotten about this completely. Yeah, I'm only disappointed because I put Foden in my fantasy team because I thought it was going to do us some real damage, and uh, he ended up, <laughs> I ended up losing yet another game of Pep Roulette and uh, and oh. put getting a big fat zero on his uh, on his score. He only did real damage to his liver. <laughs> <laughs> Pep Guardiola, every fantasy manager's worst nightmare, that's for sure. Um, Grealish and Foden have been warned by Manchester City about their behaviour, but it seems likely that they'll be back involved over the Christmas period again after being left out of the Newcastle game. Right, that's it for Manchester City, and we're going to focus on Arsenal next because the Carabao Cup quarterfinals start tonight and the Gunners have a test against League One opposition. We'll talk about it next after this here on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your daily Premier League show. We'll have podcasts for you right across the Christmas period, including on Christmas Day. And you won't want to miss it. It's our Christmas special featuring former Premier League players, Paul Dickov, Francis Benali and Matt Jarvis. They'll be talking about some of the trials and tribulations of being a footballer at Christmas. Some of the fun, some of the highs and definitely some of the lows as well. So you don't want to miss that. That'll be out on Christmas Day. But tonight the action will turn to the League Cup where it's the quarterfinals of the Carabao and Arsenal host Sunderland at the Emirates this evening. This is a Premier League against League One clash, Marley. So Arsenal should win this, shouldn't they really? Yeah, they should do. Um, of course, um, 
I'm not going to sort of <laughs> sit here and say, oh, I hope the little team does it. I hope the League One team does it because <laughs> I hope they get their absolute asses handed to them um, and they all go home crying. Um, it's a tough task, isn't it? Arsenal playing really well as well at the minute. So you need um, they need to keep that, con- that sort of um, momentum going in their season because, as we know with Arsenal, they can self-destruct at any minute and lose three on the bounce just as as easily as they can win three on the bounce. So they need to keep going. Um, Sunderland, uh, I, I don't even know. Where where are they in League One? I literally never look. I think they're in and around the playoffs. So they had a really good start to the season under their manager, Lee Johnson, and it's not quite been as good for them um, in recent weeks. But League One's a difficult league. I mean... Sunderland are always a, a good test, but the issue that they've had in League One is not being able to to get through the playoffs. They've always been up and around it, but they've never been able to really go for automatic promotion. And this season feels a little bit different because they've gone on a cup run and, you know, it will be a game in which there's no doubt that they'll, they'll want to win. But regardless of how G'd up Sunderland are and how big a club they are for that level... Arsenal still miles ahead of them so it you know it would be more embarrassing for Arsenal even though Sunderland are a decent sized club for them to get beaten tonight yeah absolutely um I hope it doesn't happen I don't want to see any magic of the cup tonight I just want Arsenal to <laughs> to be like uh Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. you know when he just crushes everyone like and just they just keep him at arm's length um, and hopefully they put six or seven past them. So, um, yeah. yeah, happy days. And I, I didn't expect to be talking about Sunderland on a podcast anytime soon. I thought got another three years before they make it back to anywhere near the uh, the Premier League. But, yeah, lucky cup run and all, here, here we are. First time in three years of doing Football Social Daily that we've managed to get you to talk about Sunderland, whereas it feels like every three days I've got to talk about them a lot down the M27. So nice refreshing <laughs> change from, it, from my perspective. Actually, it... it leads me to ask this question which I know you're a Newcastle fan so you're immensely biased but in terms of Sunderland as a club and how you see them as a Newcastle supporter are they a Premier League side in terms of how big they are because being a Portsmouth fan we've been down in the lower leagues now for eight years and whenever we play Sunderland everyone always says oh it's the meeting of the two biggest clubs in the lower leagues the two biggest clubs in the division but Sunderland have a stadium which is twice the capacity of Fratton Park when you go up there, and I've been up there a couple of times for away games at the Stadium of Light and to work as well, you can tell that they're a massively well-supported club in the area, but so too in Newcastle. And Middlesbrough are well-supported as well. It's obviously an area of the northeast that absolutely loves its football. Are they a Premier League side in how big they are, do you think, Sunderland? Or maybe is there a little bit of an angle towards that just because you miss the time we're derbies that used to take place every season? Uh, well, I don't miss the derbies. Um, because they, they have a well, they ridiculously good record <laughs> <laughs> against us, yeah. Um, however, I did I did manage to get to the the one where we beat them six one back in two thousand and eleven. I think it was. Um, so that was a decent day. Um, in terms of their their stature, I don't know what makes them. I don't know what what makes them a potential Premier League club. Is it is it the, the support? I mean, they get the, they're in a similar situation to to Newcastle really because they're a one club. Um, sort of town, are they a town or a city? I don't know. I don't know if it's Sunderland or a city or not. Um, but basically, there's there's a big catchment area for that support, and it's always you always have um a so called big club when you've got that support. If you look at Leeds, you know Leeds have got incredible support because they're the only team in Leeds. 
you look at Newcastle, they've got incredible support because they're only they're the only club in a city of a quarter of a million people. And you look at Sunderland, Sunderland's not even that close to Newcastle really. Um but it's a it's a big town and it's they're all about that. It's a big working class area, they all grew up with football. So it is it is well attended um for, for what they do. I think they get close to thirty thousand in League One, which is great. Um but it is League One, so I'm just happy they're still in League One to be honest. Um because it's hilarious but <laughs> you know I don't know what makes a club a big club because they've been they've been poor and they've, when they're in the Premier League they're always one of the poorest teams in the Premier League they're always fighting relegation every year um, they weren't a particularly sounds familiar likeable club <laughs> yeah um, so I don't know I, I don't know it's it, I don't know what makes you a, a big club I don't know what the what the unbiased view of them is um, the, the old Amazon documentary has probably won them a few fans and it's probably a decent PR move to to uh, to get them out there, and even though, again, they, if you look at why that documentary was good, it's because everyone was like laughing at them because they were they were just all over the place everywhere. The whole the board meetings, the 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 little clip about the music, um, when they're all discussing what music gets played and stuff like, they're they're a club to laugh at in my opinion, um, and that is that's my sort of opinion of them and. Yeah, it's just, uh, I hope they stay down. Hope they get bad tonight as well. <laughs> They'll be hoping to really upset the odds and beat Arsenal tonight. We say that Arsenal should win this regardless, but Sunderland will put up a good test. And I think what's interesting here from an Arsenal perspective, Joel, is how many changes, if any, does Mikel Arteta make? Because the schedule at the moment is absolutely brutal. We know there's a game every couple of days over the Christmas period. We also know that squads are struggling at the moment with COVID, as we've already discussed. So do you think Arteta should make changes? And if so, do you think he'll make a number of them? Uh, yeah, I think he would definitely be wise. I think out of the last eight teams in the competition at the moment, I think Arsenal are probably the the team in the best position to make changes. When you look at, you know, Liverpool have got Leicester, uh, Chelsea, I don't even know if they've got any players to pick from at the moment, and Tottenham have got West Ham. So I think Arsenal and Arteta are definitely in the best position to actually switch things around, especially considering the fact that they've got Norwich away on the 26th and then Wolves two days after that. Um, so I think it would definitely be wise for Arteta to kind of dip into his youth players. Obviously, I don't think this competition is a straightforward one for them to win right now. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned, they're still a very good calibre of team in there. Probably like the two best, two of the best teams, three best teams in the league in terms of Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, and obviously West Ham. Who've kind of tailed off a, a little bit in recent weeks, but I think um, Arsenal, with their form recently, I, I don't think they would face too much of a test from Sunderland, even if they were to switch things around. Uh, obviously, in terms of COVID, they've been pretty much unscathed uh, in terms of their squad they've been able to feel the pretty fully strength side which has been really lucky for them um, and you know they've got some really talented youth players to play so I think it, for Arteta he's in a very good position right now and I think the draw is very favourable. Do you think Aubameyang will play Joel? <sighs> I mean this is a it's a very it's a bit of an enigma this situation because I don't really know what to believe with this in terms of the morality of it all because it seemed as though he went back to see his mother he was ill. He got back a little bit late and obviously that kind of broke COVID protocol. But Arteta, for me, seems like a very psychomaniac control freak. He, he has like Guardiola's tendencies, <laughs> which I really don't like. And it seems to me he's just kind of 
pushed him out the way in which Meza Urza was pushed out. And I don't want to get into potential reasons why that happened, but um, it just seems as though he has a very big control element to his personality. And for a club captain to be kept out like that, I, I would play him just in terms of he's served his one one or two, his two games now, isn't it, that he's missed? Um, he served those games. Like, why, why do you need to punish someone who quite clearly has left? It's not as if he's gone partying in Paris and he's come back, you know, full of tequila. He's apparently gone back to see family. And I don't I, I feel as though there's more under the hood than meets the eye with this situation because unless, unless Arteta has got some kind of vendetta against him, um, I don't see the reason why he needs to be pushed pushed out of the side, especially as a club captain, but obviously he's been stripped of that now. Um, but I feel I feel as though, considering the congestion of the fixtures and you never know when an Arsenal player may get a COVID case, it seems pretty logical to kind of bring him in, who is still a very good striker, by the way, um, and get him running again because you don't want him out the side for too long. No, Aubameyang is an interesting situation. We've discussed it on the podcast before. I guess my other point would be are Arsenal at a level where they're good enough to win a trophy Marley because we've said that they've gone about their business in the Premier League somewhat under the radar they're not in the title race but they've kind of announced themselves in the top four race in recent weeks particularly that win over West Ham a few days ago which saw them leapfrog the hammers from fifth into fourth and that being said they have taken a couple of smashings from the likes of Liverpool and City which I think shows how far they are away from the top sides but there's no doubt from what we've seen this season that they are good enough to finish in the Champions League places if they keep it together so with all of those factors in mind do you think they are good enough to win a trophy this season and what do you think that will do for Arteta because it almost feels he's still riding on the money in the bank from the FA Cup win a couple of seasons ago yeah I think um, I I would say they were good enough but their record against top teams makes me think that they won't win it. I think if you look at who's left in the Carabao Cup, you've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, um, and even Leicester, you'd probably back to probably turn Arsenal over when it counted. Um, you're going to have to beat one of them teams in the final. Like If you get through and draw Tottenham or Liverpool in the next round, you know your work's cut out there, and then you're going to face probably Chelsea in the final if they get through and, and get some players back. So... It's it's still there's so much work to do. I think you can get to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup relatively straightforward um, with with you know a handy run and other teams not taking it quite as seriously. But I always think with Arsenal Cup, they've got a good history with cup competitions, winning the FA Cup so many times and winning uh, winning sort of trophies, um, cup competitions. Sorry, rather than leagues or more than leagues, and I think that's a way of success for Arsenal because not everybody takes cups that seriously until the later stages. And I think Arsenal are never going to win the league anytime soon because the gap is just far too big. Um, So why not win cups? Why not win Carabao Cups? And why not try and win FA Cups when you can? Because, you know, we've seen with Arsenal two years ago, they won, (coughs) excuse me, they won the FA Cup. They beat Man City on the way. They beat, uh, was it Chelsea in the final as well? Um, and they were they were superb in that uh, that thing, and it got Arteta, he, it got his stock to an all time high, and they were like, you know, here we go, like this is where we we begin. Then they went backwards, and they did the typical Arsenal thing of floating round from disaster to, disaster to to next disaster um, for months on end, and then they finally sorted it out this season with a couple of decent signings, and then 
it's all threatening to blow to boil over again with Aubameyang and Lacazette situations and stuff like that. And they've got more work to do in the summer, but if they do work in the summer as, as cup winners and in the top four, it leaves them in a much more stronger position to go and sign better players and close that gap on the top three, which seem to be pulling away with everything. Yeah, it's interesting tonight to see how Arsenal will approach it when it comes to changes and, of course, the calibre of opposition. Brutal schedule at the moment when it comes to the Premier League and, indeed, these Carabao Cup fixtures, which will go ahead. I think there are games tomorrow as well, right on the cusp of Christmas. There are games and it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens over the next seven days. There are a number of games and we'll have them all reviewed and previewed right here on the podcast, Football Social Daily. And also you can find information on the website as well, sport-social.co.uk. But that's it for today's episode of Football Social Daily. We'll leave you to continue with your Christmas shopping, Marley. Yeah, Amazon's getting the scene too right now. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joel, as well. And uh, I guess that's your final trip to the Christmas markets for this year. Yeah, and thank God. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Niall. Thanks for listening to the show. As I say, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss a podcast again. You'll be notified as soon as a new one's ready. But for today's episode, that's it. And we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.